0: Awesome. Congratulations, grads. That was so good. And, uh, you know, I also just want to just add one more thing to what Pastor Sheila was saying. Um, For those of you who don't know as well, kind of when Pastor Sheila was talking about all the transitions and things that were taking place in her own personal life, uh, you know, so one day this was, I guess, kind of right after the whole COVID thing hit kind of end of March, uh, Sheila just kind of came up to me and at the same time just said, you know what, I'm not able to fully be and do exactly what you need during this time because we're moving everything online. So right there on the spot, she said, I would like to actually transition out of my spot now so you could hire somebody that can fill that role at that moment. And so for those that you don't know, Pastor Sheila has served here, Oh, Pastor Sheila, I don't want to put a number on it because I don't want to <laughs> say the age, but years, years. And um, it, it just, it blessed, it blessed Jamie and I because at the same time, we, we kind of moved from, you know, pastoring a local church now becoming televangelists. And all of a sudden, you're online, and now you have to get all this new equipment, you had to get all these new, just everything going online. And so she graciously just said, you know what, it's time for me just to step down now and somebody else to come on in. And then I thought right at that moment, man, that is, a, that is a woman of integrity, a woman of honor, a woman who knows who her Jesus is. And that was in the midst of everything going on. So I just wanted to let you kind of know a little backstory for that as well, for what Pastor Sheila did. So Pastor Sheila, we love you. We honor you. We're thankful for you. We are very, very grateful for you. I don't know where you are anymore, but... She didn't even hear a word that I said. <laughs> oh, she's in the back now. Okay, okay, awesome. All right, everyone. Well, let's continue going on this. Uh, we're continuing talking on honor. Has this been helpful in any sort of way? Man, this has been a, a, a big one for me because this is, again, I think, because of what culture is experiencing, that we are applauding dishonor, that anybody that is acting dishonorly towards any kind of authority, towards any human beings now, it's celebrated. And how many know, that ought not be in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not operate in that way, does not function in that way. And so what we've been taking the time really is to really sit down, talk about honor. What does it look like, especially us as believers in Jesus Christ, those that have acknowledged Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and now are carrying his name everywhere we go. How ought this look for us? Especially in this time where it's easy to you know, tell Justin Trudeau where to stick it and where he can go. Everybody's doing that. Listen, everybody's doing that. But it ought not come from the believer. All right. Same way you can say this thing, all oh, these cops ought to be doing this. You know, cops this, cop that. Not in the kingdom of God. According to the Bible that I read, they are called servants of God. And so we ain't going to have that kind of language here because that's not who we are. And so we want to find out. And the reason why we're talking about all this, about honoring those that are in authority. And again, there's four different types of delegated authority that the New Testament talks about. Civil authority talks about social authority. Talks about spiritual authority. We're gonna finish that today. And also talking about family authority. And the reason why we're discussing it, because second John chapter two, or sorry, Second John verse eight simply says this that you don't make sure that you have worked so diligently, be on your guard, because everything that you've worked so hard for, that you don't lose your full reward. So the whole purpose behind honor is that you get the full reward that you have diligently worked so hard for. And I want to encourage you, and I don't know about you, but I want the full reward. I don't want a partial reward. And again, not only on this earth, but when I see Jesus face to face, I don't want to have a discussion with him going, Hey, the way that you talked about my servants, we need to have a little discussion about that. I don't want to have that conversations with him. Anybody else? So that's why it's best that we judge ourselves now and get it correct now, rather than having to talk to him about it later. Come on, somebody. we got to get eternally mindsetted here. We're not just thinking about the next 70 years, right? Who's going into office in the next couple of years? Who cares? Right now, we got to have an eternal perspective. This is where I'm going. I'm going to stand before the Lord one day, and I have to give an account for the attitudes that I have towards that or an authority. It's, it's all into. You can't have a separate life. It's not just about how good of a Christian I am at church, and then my Monday through Saturday life is, whoosh, I can say whatever, do whatever, post whatever, and everything's fine. I'm going to have to give it account for the tweets that I put out. What? Really? Yeah. Anyways, let's go on. And the reason again we're talking honor is because it is a spiritual law. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. Remember that? This is a spiritual law. What is the law? Those that honor me. What does God say? I will honor. This is the law. Those that honor me. How do we honor God is honoring and being Uh, ...respective of his ways. I honor and respect his ways. Therefore, what he talks about to me about authority, I'm going to respect authority. I'm going to honor authority because it's commanded of me. He's not asking me to do it. He's commanding me to do it. Okay. And then later on in that verse, those that honor me, I will honor. And the NIV says, and those that despise me will be disdained. And again, I got to keep bringing this up, but those that look down on the ways of God those that treat lightly the ways of God or how God does things, God says that they will be disdained, meaning that there is a disregard for these individuals' needs and their prayers. That's a big deal. And you go, oh God, why isn't this happening in my life? Why can't I see you happening in my life? I need to go back and check up on my honor. Am I honoring where he told me to honor? Because if that's so, then honor belongs to me. I'm sowing honor, it, I will reap honor. Honor is like a boomerang. What you throw out is going to come right back at you. Okay, let's continue on here. Now, what is honor? Simply this. Honor means to value. It's basically respect on steroids. Right? Just (laughs) jack it up. To value, to see as weighty, to see as precious. And honor carries the meaning of respect and even reverence. And I want to give you this verse. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 41 through 42, Jesus said this, You receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. Now notice again, what is he focusing on? Reward. If you receive, or in other words, you say those that honor the word of a prophet or the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward, right? And it says this, if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be... Rewarded? Can you see our heavenly Father? What's His heart's desire? Reward. reward. He wants to reward us. That's who He is. Any good parent, and I know all of you in this room, you want to reward your children. That's what we do. This is what we're excited for, right? And so here, right in this little context of Scripture, we see that there are three types of people that we come in contact with every single day of our life. The first one that we see is those that are above us. I mean, you got people that are above you. Every hand should be up, right? My, I, I got somebody above me. Listen, because if you want authority, you have to come under authority. There's no way you can just be a self main authoritative figure. It is impossible. All right. That's why you see a lot of people that go out and try something. There's no covering. There's no authority over their life. And so they go out and do something and fall. Well, why didn't it work? Because you just went rather than being sent. That's a big difference. It's a big difference, right? And then the second point of that is this, that those that are on our level, honoring our peers... And we're going to get into this next week. But if you really think about it, if I would just come into this room and I see another child of God The way that I could treat that person, the way that I show honor or respect for that individual is in regards to how God already called them or the identity that they carry being a child of God. Did you know that would change than just looking at somebody for their mishaps or what they did wrong or what they should have done better? If I just identify somebody as they're a child of God, so I'm going to stand up and I'm going to respect that individual just because they name, they've called on Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They've been identified as a child of God, therefore I'm going to show respect and honor that way. This is something my parents taught me. Every time that somebody would come into a restaurant that we, that we knew, or maybe us as kids even didn't really know, and they were part of our church, other my parents' church at that time, or we went to go for dinner with guest ministers, whatever it looked like, anytime somebody would come in that we knew, my parents would always stand up and greet them with such respect. And I mean, you kind of don't really think much of it, but that's a big deal. Right, all of a sudden, somebody just comes up to you, hey, you know, John and Ingrid, so great to see you. Rather than just sit there, oh yeah, hey, nice to see you, like that's nice. But when you stand up, it just shows us, just a, it just gives an honor of, hey, child of God, it is good to see you. That is just honoring our peers, and the result is you're going to reap the reward of a righteous man. And then there are those that are entrusted to our care. That if I give a cup of cold water to somebody who's entrusted to me, it means I take care of their needs. I'm looking to bring them close, bring them alongside and lift them up. What am I going to get? I'm going to get a reward. And I'm going to tell you this, especially the culture that we're living, where the, you know, the whole child pedophilia and all that junk that's out there. You know what Jesus said about all that? It'd be better for that person to be have a loose around their neck and thrown into the depths of the water. Don't mess with kids. Yeah. Period. That's a big deal in the eyes of God. Man, oh man, I hate that stuff, but that's not our topic. Still hate it, though. So we're going to continue on honoring spiritual authority. And so we, last week, we discussed what is the church. What are we, church? Who are you? Children of God. Children of God? You are a called out people. Think about it. I mean, this past Monday, we had a great, you know, family gathering and, you know, all the, the captains got together and we played football and uh, you know, so the two captains go out there and they pick the teams that they want. You know what hurt? I got picked in the sixth round. I'm I I don't even know what to say. Like I, there was so much offense that I had to deal with in like sixth round. Do you? What? My son Jace, got picked before I did. I I don't know. See what I could have done? There's something wrong with those captains. A bunch of losers. But what I thought would have been sowning dishonor. So, hey, I'll just take my sixth, sixth place, sixth place ribbon, and I'll just go sit on the bench like a good trooper. There I sat. <laughs> but I just wanted those, the captains that are listening. Josh, are you here? No, he's not here. What's that? Oh, he worked last night. Okay, well, you'll watch this later. Then I'll let him know. <laughs> but there's something about being picked. Anybody enjoy being picked? Except when you're in math class and the teacher calls on you, you're like, oh, shoot, no, 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 I, I'm good, ask somebody else. But there's something about being picked. I choose you, right? I choose you. I called you. Well, this is what Jesus said in John 15. He says, though you didn't choose me, I chose you. This is a big deal. And so he calls you out because he wanted you on his team. Don't just think, oh, yeah, I accepted Jesus, my Lord and Savior, when I, was a kid. You know, I, I chose to go this way. No, 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 no. I mean, there's part of you answered a call. But more importantly, he chose you. You're part of the grace ones that heard the gospel and your eyes were illuminated to see the goodness of God, to see the light versus darkness. You're a called out one. That's a big deal. Man, I'm so thankful that I even got called. So that last song that we sang, I believe all that. That's that's great. But he allowed you to see it so you could believe it. You did nothing to earn any of this. So this is a great place that you and I, the position that we hold, that he called us out. So we're called the ecclesia. Right. The next part of it says that we're also a purchased people. Not only did he call you out, but the reason and way he could call you out is because he purchased you with his own blood. He didn't buy you with gold. He didn't buy you with sheep or bulls or goats. He bought you with his own precious blood. So that's how you got to see yourself. I am a blood-bought human being. This is who I am. I'm not just, my parents didn't just have a nice time and here I am. I've been purchased. There's more to you than that. No, a lot of times we limit ourselves. We limit, we devalue ourselves just going, well, you know, I came from that and here I am. Jesus actually said that you were actually called for such a time as this. You're here with a purpose. God needed you and now, thankful, he called you. You know, I believe this, that God also calls the best for last. That he knew the grace and the anointing that is on your life to live in the day that we are in. Did you know that we are well equipped to face what we are facing today? I think this is the greatest time to be alive and all the chaos and all the... Junk that is out there. Guess what? We have the answers. And it's found in Jesus. Man, I think it's a, I feel bad for the people that just lived in comfort. Not that any generation ever really did. But man, this is a great time to be alive. Because we're the called out ones. Okay, now. Let's get into this. I'm going to finish going into this part. But how Jesus sets up his church and his family. So when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He placed you into his family. And under his lordship and under his reign. That's where you are now. So right now, you are part of a global family, but also a family that's also in heaven. You're part of this family. It's on earth, but it's also in heaven. We have brothers and sisters all across this planet. I know you know this, but I'm just reiterating it again to you. And it says in Psalm chapter 68, it says that God, he calls those that are lonely, and he places them in families. You've been taken out of loneliness. You've been taken out of just you know, kind of what Pastor Sheila is saying, this, this individualism. And even now brought into a family. And let me just show you this. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. It says this in the Passion Bible. It says, so you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. Guess what? You got rights. Anybody enjoy some rights? And where are your rights? Their rights as family members of the household of God. Now, if I were to walk into your house, and if you got kids or grandkids or family members or whatever, if I were to walk into your house, there's certain rights that I do not have. I probably have right to, you know, the front step at that moment. I'm allowed. If you gave me access to your home, there's just certain rights that I I, I think that I have. Like I have rights to your bathroom. <laughs> we'll see. Right? Well, it kind of depends. <laughs> but do I have rights to open up your fridge and just take whatever I want? Well, yeah, my Oma says sure. So that's, I got rights in that house that a lot of people don't get. And it was like, she's got a good fridge. I'll tell you that right now. I like going to that fridge, it's always got something in there. But there's, if you were just, like, let's just say this if I, again, if I was going to walk into your home, I can't just go into the fridge. Anybody would just let me go to their fridge. Show of hands. The reason why your hand, why are the rest of your hands open? So that's, it's embarrassing. Your neighbor put up your hand, but you didn't. Jot down their name and pass me their name. We gotta talk this week. But I wouldn't, why don't I have access to some of your fridges? It's because I don't have that right unless you give me that right or if I ask for it, right? Well, you've been placed into the kingdom of God and he says you are no longer a guest in his home. You're now called son or daughter, so the fridge, the vault is yours. Right? Luke chapter 15, you know, Jesus explaining the parable of the the prodigal son. And the father comes out to the oldest son. He says, son, all that I have is yours. This is a reality we got to get. All that I have is yours. What belongs to you as a child of God? Everything God has, he's given it to you. Everything you need, every answer you need, every, everything you need in this natural realm, everything you need in your emotions, everything you need is provided for you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He provided it for you and I. He gave it. He paid too high of a price for you to stand out and just kind of wait for the daddy to come and say, Do you need something, son? Go in and take it. If you need butter, get it. I just would really like some butter right now. Get it. Get it. And this is where I believe the spirit of faith comes into place. Because you got a lot of believers that are just whining about the circumstances. It's so hard out there. It's just not fair. Sure, it's not fair. But my mama always said, it may not be fair, but God is good. Man, I used to hate that answer. Great. That's, I'm still facing this situation. But now, I get it. Because you know what the spirit of faith does? It takes hold of what it needs. What do you need? You take it. You don't just simply wait back. I just hope somebody just comes to my rescue, just helps me. Listen, there's great. People can come around. I, I get that side of it. But for the most part, Jesus gave you full access. What do you need, baby? Take it. My kids have no problem going to the fridge and even making a mess in it. No problem whatsoever. Why? Well, it's because they understand their identity and they're at my home. They are loved and they are accepted. They are a child of Joel housing. You're welcome, son. We got to take it. And look, look what it goes on to say. Verse 20. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets. And the best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Now, again, we're talking about the church. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No matter what your background is, you are connected to the chief cornerstone. Who's that? That's Jesus. You are you got divine access to him. Look at this verse 21. Now this entire building is under construction. Say under construction. <laughs> this entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies, his dwelling place, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Now, I want to just bring out this phrase, but we are under construction. Did you know that there is nothing wrong being under construction? Right. Anybody under construction this morning? Thank you for your honor. If you think that you are fully constructed, you got another thing coming. <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we, can, we can figure that out, that you need some construction going on in a few minutes. Everybody is under construction, and that is okay. Yeah. Kind of like what Pastor Sheila and everybody that you saw representing here, they've taken Freedom Session. Under construction. Yeah. That's a great place to be. I am under construction. Yeah. Do I do things perfect? No. Am I still a work in progress? Yeah. You were so quick to say yes. I have a pro- <laughs> Thank you for that. I couldn't even finish the question, and yet you answered it. does the problem arise? The problem arises is when I remove myself from being worked on. When I leave myself, when I remove myself from under the Lord's supervision. When I leave his supervision and I'm not getting constructed on, now nothing's happening in my life. Now how does Jesus supervise you and I? And again, we're talking spiritual authority. Now let's go in. If we are under construction, how does the Lord supervise us? Now here it is. God placed Called you to a specific local church. He called you there. So we're called to a specific local church and we're there to accomplish the God-given vision of that house. Okay. I gotta be my best cheerleader, okay? Now here's the thing. We don't choose where we plant, God appoints us. Now this is going into a little more spiritual maturity things, okay? You all, I know we're all mature here, but can we can we go into it a little bit? First Corinthians chapter twelve verse eighteen. It says that this that God has put each part, each person, just where He wants it, That's right. just where He wants it. So, do I get to go and just church shop wherever I want to go? That's fine if you're checking places. I mean, you you got to get the witness on the inside. Sometimes people are waiting for this grand vision, the heavens to open up, and go, oh, there is your church. There is your church. And that, that sometimes that happens, and that's great. But for the most part, you're sometimes people looking for churches. You hear that a lot. We're, we're looking for a place to settle down in. That, that's okay. You don't go, you're checking different places. What you're doing, you're checking on the inside. Don't just look at it and go, oh, man, I don't like the way they greeted. Man, that, that donut, I felt like it was from frozen from last week. They're not. They're fresh. <laughs> or the lights or something else. Or, oh, man, like, why is the pastor like, wearing such tight pants? Like You can get carried off on a lot of natural things. These aren't really tight, by the way. These are, I could squat in these. (laughs) But a lot of times we get caught up on natural things, right? And the reason only that, but sometimes we leave because of natural things. Sometimes we stay because of natural things. Oh, did you see the lights in that house? Wow. Did you see the donuts they had? They weren't from Tim Hortons. (laughs) And that's fine. It's great. It's nice to have all those natural things, but what you're looking for is the witness. And that's why all y'all are here. I know everybody here is called here. You're sent here by God, and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. Now, but when you're supposed to be in a church, let me just encourage you now, plant there. Plant. Not just yourself, but your family. Get your family planted in that house. It's for your own benefit, and we're gonna show you in a sec why. And let me just give you a couple examples. You know, just when I was youth pastoring, I had a youth pastoring gave me a really cool opportunity to get a window into kind of your average home, just kind of see what it's like, and uh, you know, it kind of gave me a window talking to parents, talking to youth, going, really got an opportunity to go to many schools, and teach at schools, and do different things like that, and it gave me a bit of a window, but here's one of the things that I noticed, is that when a kid got in trouble, whether it was at school, at home, guess what the first thing that was taken away? Youth group. I know, you're saying, wow, I I know, it's crazy to me. Isn't that that the place where you want them the most? But I noticed this at least nine times out of ten when a kid got in trouble, and usually not in our youth group because we had such a good youth group. It was just amazing. They prayed and they read their Bibles continuously. But if there was ever a problem that arose and we would get a phone call, you know, there have been phone calls that I get, man, that parents would just be crying or yelling at me because they're mad at their kid. And so uh, I don't know what, I don't know, I don't have any kids yet get the frustration i get it but a lot of times they would say because so and so did this they're not allowed going to youth group this wednesday and i just if i said are you sure you want to do that yeah they got hockey practice tuesday thursday but boy they're not going to youth wednesday so but do you see the church is so easy to blame or just to throw off oh yeah yeah, i don't got time for that we'll just we'll just we'll just cancel that out so what you're showing is a devalue for the house of god And I know we this body is the house. I I get all that, but this is where the house meets. And I want to show you what we're going to talk about today is we want to show honor for the house of God because it is a big deal in God's eyes. Okay. Now look at this. There's a difference between being planted and attending. There's a major difference. So if you're attending this morning, if you're kind of checking us out, great. We're thrilled that you came to check us out. But our hope is that you would move past just attending to becoming planted here. And I'm going to explain what the difference is. Because, again, you can, you can attend a church and not be planted. And it's so vital for you, not just for the whole body to grow, but also for you as an individual and you as a family. It's important that you plant somewhere so that you can grow. It's, it's crucial for your spiritual journey. It's crucial for your walk with the Lord because this is how God designed it. Right, the same way. If you just think of it from a natural family, you know, if I was just a dad, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I decided not to show up to, you know, we're having family dinner. Oh, I'm not going to be there. I got better things to do. Like play Xbox. Like, can you see what it would do to a family? Or the kids say, "I'm not coming home for dinner. I don't really care what you're making for dinner, Mom. I'm out of here." Can you see that? What? It, so I'm just attending a home. I'm going to go there, use it for my bed and all that. How would you like that as parents? Ugh, wouldn't feel good. So God is saying the same thing. I don't want you just attending. I want you planted so that you can grow. And look at this, Psalm chapter 92, verse 13. Very familiar passage, but it says, Those who are planted... Everybody say planted. Planted. Who are planted in the house of the Lord. Notice what's going to happen to their lives. They're going to flourish. Everybody say flourish. 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 They're going to flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14 goes on. It says, They shall still bear fruit in old age... They shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on, say it with me. Fresh and flourishing. Fresh and flourishing. This is these are the words that I want describing my life. That I want my relationship with the Lord to be fresh. I want my life to be flourishing in every aspect of it, not just in one area of my life. God didn't call you in three different parts. He called you as a total, complete human being, spirit, soul, and body. And just like what they, we heard the testimony is that Jesus came to give us life, not just life in our church life, and I come here and have fun, but in our whole entire life. And notice where it stems from. It stems from being planted in the house of God. This is where it begins can I get an hey This is where it starts, not just down the road if I feel like it. You know, once I got all my ducks in a row, not just once in a while when I get a good job or I got a good education. No, no, no. It starts now. You want to flourish in life? You want to flourish in your school? You want to flourish in your family? You want to flourish in your finances? You want to flourish in your job? Guess where it begins? Not in a higher education. It begins in the house of God. Because when you start here that you're saying, God, I'm giving you the lordship of my life to have complete control. Do with it as you want, sir. He's now able to move you where you need to go. Why would you waste four years of school and probably maybe even the wrong thing when you're not even planted in the house of God? I've met so many young people trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? My answer is now get planted. Get planted. Get planted. Because when you're planted, you're easy to get moved. The same way that a tree sucks up the nutrients from the ground that is planted, it just eats those nutrients up so that every spring we can enjoy the leaves. This is what it's looking for. And same for your and my life. This is how God designed it. He designed first and foremost that the church be the center of your and my life. This is big. Yeah. I know I'm going to, you're stepping on some toes a little bit this morning. But what comes before? Oh, the football game. There's a football game on at 10. I, I can't make it. What you've done is you've just devalued church, and you've put football as your idol. And so now, is football going to be there for you all of a sudden when your marriage crashes down? Is football going to be there all of a sudden when you lost your job? No. What's going to be there? Church. Church. And that's why I want to encourage you. We have to get this in proper order. Because especially culture in today, they see the irrelevance. They call it irrelevant church. Man, this is the most relevant thing for the human existence. I don't care how many degrees or PhDs they have after their name. If you're not planted in church, you're heading in a wrong direction. This is God saying it, not Joel. Just This is what this says. Okay. So what's the difference between being planted versus attending? Let's look at this. But when I'm planted in the church, this is where I lay down my life to serve God. I lay it down. I give it my all. Secondly, this is where I bring my tithe. And you know Javen, when he did offering a little while ago, it kind of encouraged me. One of the things he said, he said, I used to kind of treat it as a tax or kind of see it as, well, you know, God, if I have enough at the end of the month, then I'll do this. If the church, if I'm rooted and grounded in this place, it is the first thing on my mind. He gets my tenth. He gets my best. He gets everything that I got, but I'm going to bring it to him. And the result is, God, you honor God, he'll honor you. Did you know, being a pastor's kid, I mean, I I got a lot of things that I could share about that. But one thing that I'm forever grateful for is that my family encouraged church. Not just encouraged, made us go to church. They brought us to church. I came to church hungover. (laughs) Really, as a pastor's kid? Oh, yeah, man, I got stories to tell you. My mom does, too, and she know it, too. Coming into the door, Mom, do I got to go? Absolutely. Get dressed, brush your stinking teeth, son, and get in the van, And she'd say with such a smile on her face. Mom, I'm really not feeling good. I don't care. Jesus loves you. Get in the van. But mom, I'm seriously like, man, listen, I'm a 17, 18-year-old kid. Mom, I'm not going. You're in my house. Get in the van. Like, can you ever see my mom getting angry? It's like trying to get a Care Bear angry. It's nearly impossible. Don't get me wrong. There's a few times where I've pushed that button. But for the most part, they encouraged it and they brought me to it even when I didn't feel like going. But you know what? I am so grateful because what that did, it instilled a discipline on the inside of me that no matter what, God is always there for me. Like just subconsciously, God's got my back. Because I, if, I, if I'm going to church, Lord, even if I don't really want to go, I'm going. By the time I got there, I wanted to be there. Maybe same thing for you this morning. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't really want to go. Hey, we all got flesh. Do I always want to be here? Since we're being honest, no. But guess what? I have to encourage myself in the Lord and say, Joel, no, 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 no. That's a wrong attitude. You get to do this first of all. You don't have to go to church. You get to. So I talk to myself a lot in the morning. All of a sudden, before I know it, before I look all snazzed up and tight pants up, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to go to church. It's all about your attitude towards it. And listen, you give that proper respect towards God. What happens? He'll respect you. Okay. So this is where I lay down my life to serve God. This is where I bring my tithe. This is where I use my gift to serve the local body. And we shared that last week, that everybody in this room received a gift when they made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior. What's the purpose of that gift? Is it to excel in my job? It will eventually, but the primary purpose, for your hospitality gift, for your teaching gift, for your encouraging gift, for your serving gift, for your giving gift, is for the local church. When you give yourself to it, it will flow into everything else that you do. But Jesus says, church, this is what I build. It's for these people in this room that you're looking at. Some people need encouragement. Why is it always my job to be the encourager? It's not mine. All right. And lastly, to come alongside the leadership that's been planted or serving there. Now, Hebrews 10, verse 25, and I want to look, we're going to talk about this and finish it off. But Hebrews 10, 25 says this, that this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Here's a question I want to answer is, can I have... Or do church on my own? The answer is yes and no. And I'm going to show you from the life of King David. There's two ways that we see from the life of King David that he had church, so to say, synagogue, on his own and also corporately. So, can I do church on my own? Yeah. Can I do church? I, can I do church with corporate? Absolutely. The answer is both. And You can't neglect one or the other. They're both vital. So look at this, in, uh, in the sanctuary, Psalm 27, I don't have these verses on the screen. So Psalm chapter 27, verse um, 6, in the New Living, listen to this. It says, at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Hey guys, you can hold off on that little music there for a moment, sorry. Psalm 27, 6, it says, at his sanctuary, notice his sanctuary, say Sanctuary. And what does sanctuary represent? It means a corporate gathering. David says, this, at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music." This is why we come in together. We come in together like what we just did first. Is we came to sing, we came to rejoice, we came to praise, because that's what we do in the sanctuary, right? So let me encourage you. If you want to, if you want to shout, dance, you go for it, man. This, this you're in a safe place. Next. Psalm 63, verse 2, again, talking about the sanctuary or the corporate gathering. It says, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to see more of your power and drink in more of your glory. Where is that found? In the sanctuary. Come on, say it with me. The sanctuary. sanctuary. This is why we can't neglect meeting together. Notice, what did he see in the sanctuary? He said, I'm energized every time I enter into the sanctuary. What do I see in the sanctuary? I see his power and I drink in more of his glory. There's something about the corporate anointing. There's something about when all these graces, all these people come together to lift up the name of Jesus that you cannot get on your own. No matter how hard you try, no matter how loud the music is, you cannot get to that place. Why? Because it takes all of these graces that are in this room, all these gifts that come together with the focus of just blessing Jesus. Listen, Jesus inhabits the praises of his people. It's what he does when he comes corporately. Thirdly, then, look at this, Psalm 77, 13. If you're writing notes, write these down. It's here in your presence, in your sanctuary, where I learn more of your ways. Did you know, yeah, you can learn a lot of ways on your own from God, but you cannot neglect the corporate gathering. There's been times in my own personal life, the Lord wanting to share some direction for me personally, the Lord told me where to go for service. I have actually had to go fly into the States a couple times to go to a couple meetings. Why? Just so I could be around there? Well, it's nice to get around and get out and see some of those things. But more importantly, when I get direction from the Lord, go there, it's because He wants to talk to me. Well, can't He just talk to me? I, don't, I just want to stay here. I want to be comfortable. If He tells you to go, go. Because there's been direction for my life that I did not get on my own. Guess where I got corrected in my own personal life? Right here. In front of everyone. That's where correction comes in handy. Everybody gets to see your spanking. Everybody got to witness it. But guess what? It set me straight. Uh, anyways, I hope some of y'all are getting this. Psalm 68, verse 35. It says this, that God is awesome in his sanctuary. Yeah. This is where he does the mighty works. Yeah. Right? And, of course, he does it outside these four walls. Don't, don't, don't get caught up on the walls here. But talking about the corporate gathering. This is why it's so important. And this is why we will never close the church. Amen. You can't shut us down because we'll gather. I love when well, you see what Sean Foyt is doing. Anyways, I've fallen that guy that's from, he's part of the Bethel music team, and he's just going up and down some of the states, just gathering places to worship where they're not allowed to worship. Spare me that junk. So what does the church do? We rise up. Guess what? We're going to sing. Tell us we can't sing. You close down a park, guess what? We'll find a street. You will not shut us up. And I want to encourage you, you have to have that same fight on the inside of you. Man, nothing is shutting me down from worshiping my Jesus. I will not stop. All right. And then, so that's the sanctuary. And then notice, he says this too, but on my bed. there's uses that phrase quite a bit in, in, in the Psalms. He says, on my bed. and In the Psalm 63, verse 6 and 7, it says, I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delightful joy. So you can see the importance of, yes, the corporate gatherings, but also for my personal. And one, the, each other, they, they fuel one another. After, you know, because I've heard that from some folk. When they come after the church, they go, man, I just got so energized. I got so helped. Great. That's supposed to do. Energize you for tomorrow so that when you're alone and there ain't nobody singing worship, I believe in God the Father. That's not there. Guess what? You can still pump yourself up. It's supposed to fire one another. And your fuel in your personal life is so that when you come to these doors, it's ready to, I'm ready to rock and roll. Who needs an encouragement today? Where are you? It fires one another. That's what it does. And you bring it into your work, you bring it into your school, you bring it everywhere you go. This is where we stay. Fire it up for him. You know, one of the things the Lord's been talking to me personally about is getting back the awe. Getting back the awe. You know, I read this verse, I think it's Psalm or Proverbs chapter 23, and it actually says this in the Bastion Bible, brings it out so well, but Hearing evil men speak, or he said, don't, don't allow the, the evil men's voices to become so clear that you lose sight of the awe of God. And as uh, Proverbs 23, check it out near the very end of that chapter in the Passion Bible. I just thought, man, what a time to be alive in that, in that scenario. How many people are just talking trash, left, right, and center? And what that is, it's a distraction from you and I losing our awe. So rather than being so caught up in who God is and how amazing he is, I'm so mad at what these people say. So frustrated at what these people think. Yeah, listen, there's stupid out there. You can't change stupid unless stupid wants to be fixed. So what do I do? What, have you noticed during this whole COVID time? Because it's all stupid, all of it, stupid. So here's the thing. Because it's stupid, but listen, I fight stupid? Guess what it leaves me with? Frustration. I've got my eyes off of who He is, and I've lost my awe for God. So that when we come time to worship Him, it's kind of like oh, I'm a little irritated to begin with. This better be a good song. Joel better be doing something good today. Come on, like sing something a little bit. You know, what's happened? You've lost your awe. And this is something the Lord's been just really dealing with me. Is get the awe back because this is what it's for. The reason why He gave me the Holy Spirit is not to perform. The reason he gave me the Holy Spirit to come upon me, to lay on me, to be with me, just to everywhere I go, is for adoration. And if we lose the adoration and who our God is, man, we, we've missed a big part of why we're here. So let me encourage you with that. That's the last point. Now, as a believer, we need the corporate anointing in our lives. And we need the on my bed personal relationship with the Lord. It's important that we do not collect either one of them. And one last thought. We can do that. Psalm chapter 26 and verse 8. <clears throat> it says this. And you know what we're doing this morning is we're taking time to rededicate our sanctuary, rededicate our building. And what I want to do is actually rededicate our lives to him. And Psalm chapter 6, 26 and verse 8. This is the psalmist. He says, I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. There is such a love for the house of God. And it actually said this about Jesus. Finally, when, you know, when Jesus died and rose again, it says that the disciples, they remembered that zeal for his house was going to totally consume him. Why did Jesus go in there? Why did he whip a bunch of people and turn over money tables? Was it because he was angry about what's taking place? Maybe. But as he had so much passion for what the house of God is for, that it just consumed him, that he went in there. This is not right. Get this out. That same zeal, that same consuming fire is living on the inside of you and I. Now, what we gotta do is we gotta set our heart towards it again. Where this building, I wanna encourage you, maybe, what has this building been to you? Building this church. Maybe this is where you got born again. Maybe this is where you got filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is where you experienced healing in your physical body. Maybe this is where you got totally delivered from anxiety. Maybe this is where you found out that God's will for me is to prosper and to be blessed in every area of my life. Maybe this is where I met the Lord and he brought me deeper into him. Where has it been for you? I know for me, this building, so to say, this sanctuary, is where I got totally rededicated and set back on track of my life. If I wasn't for that moment, November 2005, from the bars, from the girl scene, doing all that stupid stuff... If it wasn't for that moment in November 2005, I don't know where I would be. Oh, you're a pastor's kid. You would have been fine. You have no idea. You have no idea what's going on inside of the heart of a person. You, sometimes you think people are doing okay. You have no idea what's going on the inside of them. And that's why I want to stir up on the inside of you again a love for the house of God. An absolute, huh, I respect this place. Why? Because what the psalmist says, this is where your glory and you manifest yourself here. It's a big deal. And that's why for me personally, every time that I even just, you know, do walks around the buildings during the week, any trash, I pick it up. Why? So I can message, mention it in a message sometime? No. <laughs> it's because this is where God revealed himself to me so strongly. This is where God radically changed my life. And so for me... This is my holy ground. I respect this place. And no matter any time that you dedicate something, what you're doing is you're separating it from the rest. This isn't to be treated like a McDonald's. <laughs> what I'm doing, I know maybe some of you are feeling that tug on the inside. You want to cry? Let it out. But it's vital that we come to grip on the inside with us, that we show honor for the house of God. It's not a government building. This is where God manifests himself. This is where we can come freely to worship our king. Where we can come freely to socialize, to connect with other believers. I don't know how many times I've seen people get stirred up by just having conversations with one another. Man, I met so and so. And man, they they gave me a word right in that moment. You know how many times I've heard that in this place? I get excited about that. Why? Because this is holy ground. When Moses appeared before the burning bush, what did God say to him? Take off your feet. Take off your feet. No, take off your sandals, Moses. Take off your sandals, Moses, because you're on. And what is it? It was separated unto God. And this is what we want to do this morning. Is we want to take some time to rededicate ourselves for his, for our love towards His house. This is where I get to come. I get to come, and I get to be with other kids that call on God as their father. Think about it for a moment. If you just take a look around this room, there's amazing people in this room. And God calls, He called them out and He chose them to be this family together with you and I. We're all here for the same purpose, impacting generations for Jesus. That's why I'm here. One last thing just to mention with us before we just take a moment to pray. But why do you think David was called a man after God's heart? It's for his... Absolute love for the house of the Lord. David, near the end of his life, God said to David, David, you can't build my house because you've shed too much blood. But your son Solomon will build it. But you know what David said? Sure, he can build it. But I'm going to pay for it. Do you know, in in equal, in today's amount, in Canadian dollars, it would be in the billions of dollars. One offering, David gave in one offering, billions of dollars. Why? Because he wanted to look in front of everybody? No. He had such passion for the house of God that had consumed him to give everything he had in his treasury to the house of God, for the building up of the house of God. I want to encourage you, this is not a Starbucks where we just come in and kind of do our thing. Do you know what I mean by that? This is the house. This is where I get answers. This This is where I get to use the gift God gave me. This is where I lay down my life. This is a place I'm going to fall dead on one day. This is where I'm going to be. Right here. I hope it's during a message. When I'm 119 years old and, man, I'll tell you about honor, that'd be it, man. That'd be my dream. Because you know what? Guess what? I'm going to wake up standing face to face and say, Lord, I didn't get to finish the message. And he said, fine, go back for a few more minutes, finish it up, and I'll get to finish. That That would be a dream for me. But this is where I put my flag and say, this is what I fight for. This is what I'm standing on. This is the church that I'm building, not just locally. This is the tr- Everything that we say, I believe in the church. I believe in the call of the church. I believe in who we are as a people. This is what we're all about. We're all about Jesus, first and foremost. And again, we're not here to build big, or big church. We're here, here to build big people. This is what we're here for. So no matter where you are in the construction time, I want to encourage you, get planted because it's going to benefit you greatly. You make this church your home. You treat it as your home. And guess what? You're going to soar. You're really going to take off. Awesome. Amen.